0: Hey, hey, good day, family. Today is two nineteen. Today is February 19th, 2020. And we're back with another day of the 10% Happier Self-Care Journey. As my beautiful cat claws up my chair. <laughs> I'll show it to you all um, if she comes over. So I hope you all are doing well today. 10% Happier Self-Care Journey. I'm excited about today's session. Today we're going to talk a bit about equanimity and meditation. And if you've never heard of this word before, we're going to start off with a definition. So what is equanimity? Equanimity definition, mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. Mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult um, conversation. Sometimes it is a conversation, (laughs) difficult situation. Hey, Larry, thanks for hanging out. Everybody who's hanging out uh, live, drop a line. Let me know how your day is going, and also let me know if you can hear me clearly. So the funny thing about equanimity is that I hadn't heard about, uh, I hadn't heard of this term prior to. I want to say maybe this year. Um, Very new term to me. But the thing about it is the definition is not at all new to me. Mental calmness, composure, evenness of temper in difficult situations is like what I know. That's my reality. You know, that's been my reality. I was just talking to someone yesterday um, about how when it comes to being patient and even tempered, you know, I get compliments on it. And I'm appreciative of it, you know, now I appreciate it even more because it is a a really important trait, but for a while, I didn't really know how to take the compliment, you know, I really, I mean, I would say thank you, but I was almost like, well, you know, like, isn't this just normal to be patient, you know, isn't patience just normal? And then, of course, I realized that patience is not something that we all have, and, (laughs) definitely not at all times so it just happened to be a part of my character that I'm just naturally a patient person uh I can go into detail about where I think that came from you know with early education and exposure from my mom and some DNA but yeah so equanimity I'm very familiar with hey Darren thanks for hanging out bro um equanimity oh I forgot to do one thing I forgot to post the notes in the chat of this live stream so that you all can follow along okay so I just put the notes in the chat so if you want to follow along they're there equanimity can be confused with indifference as a flatlining versus a lack of friction allowing emotions to come up and move through while not being overtaken by the experience that's equanimity hey Jan thanks for hanging out So I thought that this was really important uh, when they brought this up in in this course. Equanimity can be confused with indifference as a flatlining versus a lack of friction. So I think that's important because it is true. Like equanimity can also be confused with like being like really nonchalant, non-caring, you know. But definitely more so it can be confused with indifference. So when you aren't responding to uh, a difficult emotion, you know, it can be seen like you're just like you're completely checking out, you know, Um, or like you're having no emotion at all. When the truth of the matter is you are having emotion, as we're going to talk about in a few, it's just there's a lack of friction there, you know, there's um, you don't have that response, that overtaking response. Hey Leslie, thanks for hanging out. Let me know if you all can hear me clearly and let me know how your day is going so far. Uh, So it can often be confused with indifference and I'm speaking even from experience that anytime I've had equanimity just kind of arise in the midst of a situation, it was never that I was checking out or that I wasn't feeling emotion. It's funny though because it's it can be, it can kind of be experienced not feeling emotion, but what it really is is I would still feel my heart, you know, getting ready to race or racing, or I can feel myself getting irritated. But I just there was this lack of friction, you know, I wasn't being overtaken by the experience, so that it had me, you know, in disarray emotionally. Um, so this is allowing emotions to come up, to come up and move through. Without being overtaken by the experience, and this just uh, makes me really be appreciative of being on this journey. Because for a while, I've always felt that I've always felt that acceptance and peace was—I mean, acceptance was like the way to peace, you know. And yeah, I don't think it's about being about denying your experience, you know. So with equanimity, you are poised to let the salient and intense stimulus arise and pass, not resisting the experience or needing it to be different in any way. And that's the important part. Um, those of you all that follow me regularly, I have a, a, a motto, I have a couple of mottos. And one of them is that my religion is acceptance over expectation. I think in many thought uh, systems and philosophies, we focus too much on expectation. And I say too much because, you know, it's important to focus on expectations, a very positive thing. It's very good to be optimistic and expect the great, as they would say, like in gospel and that kind of thing, or expect better circumstances. But the truth of the matter is that you can get too hung up on expecting uh, things to be better. You can get too hung up on... Uh, expecting great or expecting better and I say too hung up because there are points in life when inevitably no matter how much you expect different or change or something different it's not going to change because it's just inevitable that's that's life at that point you know whatever it is whether it's a sickness whether it's a you know you didn't uh, you don't have a job or didn't get a job or you know you want to be with someone who just who really does not want to be with you like whatever it is at some point, expectation is really a form of willful, can be a form of willful ignorance. And I think what happens is we don't think about that a lot of times when we're dealing with our positive and optimistic um, philosophies, because it is, to a particular degree, really good to stay in expectation mode. But at some point, I realized that acceptance was actually the the more important uh trait because acceptance allows you to expect when it was reasonable and rational and when it wasn't it just allows you to accept the reality of what was and like I said here not resisting the experience or needing it to be different in any way in order for us to be at peace in life whether it's living in peace or, or even resting in peace or going to our rest in peace we have to be willing—not willing. We have to get used to being able to have an experience and not resist it or needing it to be different in any way, because then you have, as people would say, a piece that passes understanding, so to speak. And I'm just using that because a lot of people refer to that, or you know, can relate to that as far as like like Christian theology when it comes to these kind of things. To me, that's what that is. If it's if it's a, a a piece that goes really, really deep, then it really is about not expecting a better outcome, a better circumstance, a better, like whatever. It's just in accepting what is. Equanimity offers us a container in which to hold the full range of our experience, the ability to stand in the middle of whatever is happening with balance, strength, and stability. There is a strong presence of inner calm, well-being, and integrity that keeps us strong and balanced. And to me, that's like the real, articulate, and straightforward and succinct way of everything I just rambled about for the past couple minutes. It offers a, it offers us a container in which to hold the full range of our experience, and it's the ability to stand in the middle of whatever is happening with balanced strength and stability. A strong presence of inner calm well-being and integrity that keeps us strong in the midst of what we're dealing with so that it does not have to change because at some point in life we have to plot it i have seen so many people in the strongest and deepest of their theologies and philosophies um, of expectation be at a place of confusion when they're dealing with something that inevitably is not going to change no matter how much they pray no matter how much they do whatever and i've and i've noticed because i study psychology like to a deep degree when it comes to life everything my fascination with everything music business social media relationships everything is about psychology and i started noticing like wait a minute we don't see this actually we're kind of naive to this in the deepest of our spiritual traditions and philosophies that there's a time when we're actually being we're we're expecting out we're ex- expecting ourselves into willful ignorance and naivety because there's uh when we deal with certain things that where we can expect then we use that to reinforce like this is how we know it's true that you can do this and expect this and this but then when we get to a point of dealing with something where it's not going to change and and no matter what we expect or desire or pray for whatever it's not going to change then i notice we're stuck for a second and in the words of even some people dear to me that when this happens i notice every time they say they go from all of their like strongest and deepest hell beliefs around expectations of an of a different reality or a miracle or whatever and then they go i just i just don't know i I don't know and they don't even realize uh, i noticed this in studying they did not they didn't even realize that this is what it was, they had expectation. And while they had good reason to expect because things were changing in that way and things did change, you know, to their to their liking, it made sense. Their belief was true. But then when it came to something that didn't go that way, then they didn't know how to really cope with that. And then what I noticed was, and I see this all the time, I noticed after that, then not just this person that I'm talking about. And and, and and also, I can say this from personal experience too, because this is what has brought me to a different place in life um, as far as my philosophies or my thought system or having. Um, but with this person, with myself, and with other people, and I see it pretty regularly, what will happen is then people will move from... When they finally realize that they no matter what they expect or pray for, this thing is not going to change. Then they move to rationalizing it by... By altering the idea to something totally different, you know, um, in order to like a different shifting of expectation in order to just deal with the, this as far as acceptance. And I was like, wow, this is I realized at some point, like this is actually an issue that we have with acceptance. We've expected ourselves into a place of not knowing how to really deal with acceptance and acceptance is like a last resort. When we finally have to be honest with ourselves, and no, no matter how much we pray or expect, it's not going to change. Acceptance is the last resort. And what I started to realize, and this confirms it for me, that acceptance should be like the, the main course meal. That should be, that's why my religion is acceptance over expectation. That should be the main course meal and what we're really building our relationship with life off of. And then after that, Dealing with expectation because that allows us to be realistic and to know when to expect and when not to. And then we don't have to struggle with trying to uh, just <laughs> trying to uh, cope with the fact that we realize like something's wrong with what we were feeling, or not something's wrong because most people won't say it that way, but that our belief isn't necessarily working in this instance. So anyway, sorry to go so deep on a tangent, but I can't really help it because I see how this really ties in, right? So, okay, two more things and then we'll end on a short um, practice around meditation. So this is from the meditation teacher, Gil Fransdahl. This is a direct quote from Gil. As inner strength develops, equanimity follows. And I, really, I really appreciate that, uh, that quote. As inner strength develops, equanimity follows. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Jewel. Hey, Russell. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Bunjo Butler. Thank you all for hanging out. And then this last thing that I'm going to share uh, is a part of a major study that was done. One major study demonstrated that in response to emotionally charged stimuli, meditators showed increased activity in the amygdala and also frontal regions. Now, uh, real quickly, the amygdala is an almond shaped set of neurons located deep in the brain's medial temporal lobe shown to play a key role in the processing of emotions it forms part of the limbic system. So this is really connected to the processing of emotions um, for those that have never heard that or don't know what the amygdala is. So one major study demonstrated that in response to emotionally charged stimuli, in this case, it was babies crying and people screaming and that kind of thing, uh, meditators showed increased activity in the amygdala and also the frontal regions. They were experiencing... Negative emotion, just like anybody else, while remaining in control, they were experiencing the emotion, the emotion fully, with composure and without suppressing the experience. So that's that. Without needing it to be different, I really appreciated this study because what it really shows is, and this is this is another deep thing. So I'll probably go off on a short rant, you know, or not so short. So I'll start off by saying, short story long. You know, when it comes to meditation, and and even when it links back to our thought systems, our spiritual traditions, our religions, a lot of the figures that we idolize or that we worship or that we model, we we have set our uh, standards to where we model our lives behind. Lives behind, we paint these figures as people that get to a point where they demonstrate these positive characteristics because they. They don't necessarily feel um, meaning like they've overcome the the uh they've overcome the the process of say like something disturbing and like they get to this place of as we call it like um what do we call it in buddhism uh I was gonna say nostalgia, but it's not it's not nostalgia uh it'll come back to me, but it's uh you know it's it's the place of um the place where you know nirvana that that's what I was looking for where you know you at this place where things don't really bother you and that kind of thing, but what I realized is like at some point i didn't i stopped believing and i I was like nah, I think that the truth of the matter is that's actually unrealistic and I think these are like created uh constructs. These are human mental constructs that we've created and we idolize, but I don't think that's at all realistic or ever been realistic. I think that's just what we, in our desire to be better people. And the fact that we have the kinds of brains that can put together mathematical like theories and equations, we can, we, and we have an imagination. So we can, we can put together something that is real as far as our reality, our uh, imaginations but it might not be real as in like actual real life like like a real example so I believe that that's what we do there I believe what's more realistic is something that I learned from reading an article, I want to say it may have been Herbie Hancock, reading an article uh, several years ago where a famous uh, improv uh, improviser and jazz musician was interviewed to talk about improvisation and what the process is how do they do it now one other thing that comes to mind before i state this example is that bobby mcferrin says that his definition of improvisation is motion it's like continued motion so it's not about so much what you're saying or what you're playing but about the fact that you're continuing to move and in this article that i read this uh particular jazz um, icon was saying that improvisation was this this ability to respond and recover in such a quick way that to the person who doesn't do this to this degree or doesn't you know doesn't have this skill it looks like they're just executing properly it looks like they just have these thoughts that are just coming out in these now the funny thing is it's really like two sides of the same coin and that's why i think we we Uh, don't realize what we're looking at. I think it's two sides of the same coin. So basically what I even understand at this point as a person who now is to that place of being a professional improviser is that what's really happening is we're just responding really, really quickly. We're recovering really, really quickly. It's It's like a cat. You know, if my cat was in here and if I picked her up and just randomly tossed her up in the air, She has this ability to hurry up and turn over and land on her feet, no matter what direction I throw her and how I do. It's just it's just a reflex, and so that reflex can make a person look like they're executing perfectly when what they're really doing is just recovering so fast and so well that to your eyes it looks like they never experienced anything. It looks like they're executing perfectly, and so that's what. I really really deeply appreciate about this because meditation and mindfulness and all these things that we espouse is not about being like invincible and not having an emotion. It's about having the emotion but being able to respond so fast that it doesn't take you out of your place of being even keel or at peace. It doesn't throw you off your square as we would say back in the day in the 90s, right? <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't take you off doesn't throw you off your square, you know? It doesn't it looks like it just doesn't bother you when really you're just responding really fast. So these meditators in this uh, study, this scientific study, they were experiencing the negative emotion no different than a person who doesn't meditate while remaining in control. They were experiencing the emotion fully, but with composure and without suppressing the experience at all. I think the key to life and the key to true peace is not expecting better. It's actually being able to be in the midst of any situation, not needing it to change one bit while still remaining in full control, full composure at a place of peace and even kill and even temper. All the things that we learned in the very beginning of this session. And so once again, for those that just joined, thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, Brian, for joining Uh, to give a definition again uh, because I feel now it's appropriate to go right back to that with this wrap up. Equanimity is mental calmness, composure and evenness of of temper in a difficult situation where you don't need it to change. So on that tip um, we're just going to end off this session with what I call the 30 second uh, meditation technique and a few moments of mindfulness. So You can do this no matter where you are. You don't have to be seated. You don't have to be uh, in an environment with candles or music or anything like that. Um, You can do this while you're waiting in line. You can do this while you're driving. You can do this while you're laying in a bed. The goal is to take three deep breaths and have 10 seconds of mindfulness. So I'm going to close my eyes. You can as well wherever you are. And we're gonna take a deep breath in through the nose and exhale through the mouth. We're gonna take long inhales and exhales. So let's take a deep breath in and out. And then we're just going to take 10 more seconds to just be with that particular presence and continue to flow in that way. You can continue to breathe deeply or you can just allow for your breath to return back to its normal pace. So I just want to invite you to the idea that, you know, whatever you've been flowing through and dealing with over the course of your day so far, if you've experienced some tough emotions or some really, you know, negative stimuli or emotions at any given point, no matter what it was, whether it was someone cut you off in traffic or you got into an argument or whatever it is, I just invite you to revisit that experience and, whatever it felt like to you whether it triggered you in a particular way whether it made you feel a certain kind of startled emotion or gave you fear or whatever i just invite you to experience that emotion to just reflect on it but to use this process of going to your breath and taking a moment to breathe deeply to just de-escalate that feeling or to be an alternative uh, response to that feeling. So let's just take three more deep breaths. So take a deep breath in, and out. Another deep breath in, and out. One final deep breath in, and out. take 10 more seconds to practice mindfulness, which is the ability to be present with your emotions and with your experiences, no matter what you're experiencing in the moment, without judgment and with equanimity, without needing it to change at all. that i invite you back into the stream if you're on a live stream <laughs> if you're watching this afterwards you can continue with that breathing now or any time when you have these emotions or when you have an experience just use your breathing you know it is it is something that i realize is so simple it's so available and so effective so just remember that at any given time You're only one step away from taking a deep breath and from de-escalating, no matter what you're dealing with. So thank you so much for joining me for this self-care session. This is the 10% Happier journey, uh, Self-Care Journey. For those that are just uh, plugging into my journey, 10% Happier is a meditation app that you can download on your phone. I highly advise it. And it is a group of meditation courses by different authors. And so... I'm documenting my journey, and I'm glad that you joined me. If you also like to help me, uh, to support me to continue to make content like this, you can see that information in the comment section of this video or the description of the video if you're watching on YouTube. And I think that's about it. <laughs> Drop a line, let me know if this was helpful, if you appreciate it in any way. Take it from the top if you just join me. And as always, peace and be well. Last couple things too. Um, So I'll be doing a word a day in about five to 10 minutes. So join me back for that. And then also, as far as my meditation events, this coming Sunday, I will be at Oneness Center for Spiritual Living doing a piano meditation concert. And it is open to the public. It's free. And I would love to see you there. It is this Sunday from 1130 to one. And the address is 6175 Sunny Spring, and that's in Columbia. So join me, if you will. And then also next Sunday, uh, March 1st, I'll be at One God, One Thought Center for Better Living for another one of the same concerts, Key Reflections. Um, And that is from 12 noon to uh, 2, I'll be there. And that's also a free concert next Sunday, March 1st at noon at One God, One Thought Center for Better Living in Baltimore. That's 40, that's 3605 Coronado Road. So that's about it. Hope to see you there. Thanks for continuing to join me on my journey. And as always, peace and be well.